0: you with open arms is that so how late do you stay open you don't
1: understand i could have had class i could have been a contender i could have been somebody you want answers i think i'm entitled you want answers i want the truth you can't handle the truth i hope they are watching
2: they'll see they'll see and they'll know and they'll say she wouldn't even have a fly
3: what's up everybody you're listening to noco cinema here on wgm plus we are your guide to cinema here in the city of chicago i am tom hush and i'm connor cornelius and we're so glad to be back with you for another week of chicago film conversation connor missed you last week i know i uh
2: but i'm glad that we got to reconvene on halloween i know it's it's nice it's uh, well prior to halloween a little bit before a halloween. little bit before yeah it's that Was arbitrary i'm always curious like where when do you celebrate halloween you celebrate in the, the week the before week. or yeah. the week after
3: i don't know i i would tend to say why don't we do both we could do both hmm. some people are doing both i'm i've just been celebrating all month i did my 31 horror movies and i'm like reaching the end and i'm did pretty you do it I'm, I'm almost there i've gotten to wednesday i've got to pull a couple more out of the hat um okay. i was hoping to get i'm trying to get tickets to go see suspiria at the music box the the when remake. is that they're doing a special screening on halloween night and then it comes into the, – they're going to be showing it regularly starting, like, that Friday. But it's one of those things, you know. It's when do you show
2: Suspiria? The week after or on Halloween? That's a good question. So it's a confluence of, it's been of very, genre and uh, tradition yeah, holiday. It's a pagan very holiday.
3: Yeah. What's,
2: what's his name? Sam Hain? Sam Hain. The holiday of Sam Hain. I don't know what you're talking about, but I will just say I'll just repeat things that you say <laughs> So it sounds like I know what I'm talking about <laughs> Uh, so glad to have you back honor. We got a big episode
3: today One of our favorite favorite chicago produced films of I don't know the 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 life of this show Yeah, I would say, absolutely yeah. is doing its rounds at different festivals different uh states doing a lot of stuff uh rendezvous in chicago We're going to be talking to the cast and director of that fantastic film i mean if you follow us on social media you know how we feel about it right um it it, full of characters that you're going to fall in love with and it's uh really just a fantastic step forward for director michael glover smith who may or may not be in the room right now no (laughs) i don't know we'll get him in we'll 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 bring him in here but i do want to start off with a bit of uh, disheartening news so uh i think we've talked about on the show before at&t has been trying to merge with time warner for a pretty long time now And the security and exchanges commission And the FCC have kind of been like eh, We don't know if we should allow that It might be too big But now but mergers are hot They're in and they're hot. happening Yes <laughs> all across the board <laughs> Everybody's super into mergers It's like they're the bell-bottom jeans Of uh, the corporate world right yeah, now they're, just, exactly. <laughs> they're a nice trend And uh, so the, gov- the government at large I guess has decided to let it happen But as a result Uh, It has created this kind of sub company called Warner Media and Warner Media oversees a lot of its different assets. These are both huge companies that have a lot of companies underneath them as part of them, what have you. And there have been some casualties. Uh, The main one that people are talking about this week is Filmstruck, which was a collaboration of turner classic movies you know the television the cable channel that shows a lot of movies that you can't see anywhere else they have a pretty extensive archive and the criterion collection which is the kind of premium dvd and blu-ray uh releasing house uh that has been my obsession ever since i discovered they exist uh a fantastic archive of Movies, like I said, you can't see anywhere else. Netflix doesn't have them. No, Hulu doesn't have them. No, Netflix um, is afraid of black and white movies. Yeah, I know. It's sad. It's pathetic. <laughs> it is. And so, Filmstruck for a lot Fuck of people, you, Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> for a lot of people who are really into classic films, a lot of cinephiles, or people that were just like, you know what, I want to try to get more into movies made before 1960. I want to get more into movies that are not available here in the U.S. Aren't from the U.S and uh warner media has announced that it will be shuttering filmstruck as a service on november 29th
2: that'll be its last day it's only been in operation for about two years that was the place where i first watched rome open city and then the battle of Algiers, which are you know Cinematic classics you have to you have To watch them if you're interested in You know in cinema and any Cinema of the revolution cinema of the revolution I mean there's so many things that we Could talk we could do an entire episode and Have I think about the Battle of Algier Yeah and the uh, you know Ramifications that 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 Has had and yeah and uh, filmmaking And and everything Um, and a lot Of movies that were on FilmStruck. you know They had the criterion collection
3: stuff But they also did have uh, Turner classic movies full pretty much full archive including what they introduced later on tcm classics stuff like some like it hot citizen Kane as well they were just they were just pulling stuff out of the archives that everybody should see the maltese falcon uh the big sleep a lot of movies that you can't realistically watch anywhere else and it worries me because you've got these giant companies that are getting into the streaming game Walt Disney's poised to release their streaming service next year, and that's going to be a powerhouse. Yeah. Although it will be, we've talked about it before, it will be missing the original six Star Wars films because of they, their mess-ups um, in the past with rights and everything like that. Those poor, poor babies. Yeah, those, <laughs> the, the house of mouse is going to suffer so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, when streaming came along, I feel like there was this idea that it could be a total archive of a- any movie. You know, people imagined a future where you could stream virtually anything that you wanted. And it would be really easy, be really accessible. Yes, you'd maybe have to pay a monthly fee or you'd have to pay, you know, like a rental fee or something like that.
2: But you wouldn't be turning to illegal sources. You'd be able to, you know, and you would be able to choose from movies that are coming out now and movies that influenced them in the past. And I think that's really the disservice that these services are providing to people.
3: Yeah. A lack of certain scholarship, in a way, for people to... You know, you don't have to go to film school to get a film education. You just have to have access to these movies. And you can teach yourself, you know, just by watching in a lot of ways. Uh, film school is helpful. It helps you understand a lot of these things. But it can prepare you to watch modern movies with a totally different lens. And with no, more, you've got basically no more video stores, which would carry these movies, at least on DVD or right. even tape, maybe. There's been a lot of casualties of the home video revolution of the 80s. Uh, that you just you can't see a lot of these movies anymore unless you have them already physically on DVD. Even things like a relatively popular movie I tried to watch, uh, True Lies, made by James Cameron, right? Huge movie. You Arnold have that Schwarzenegger. on VCR? No, I I, I don't have it. Oh, and it's you know, it's really you couldn't just stream it. You have to buy it on DVD and maybe that's not an option for you. You know, buying all these Criterion movies, they're expensive for the price of like three Criterions. You were able to basically get a year of Filmstruck, a year of access to great cinema And now that's completely taken
2: away. It was a cost effective thing. And don't you think it'll be get picked up? Don't you think it'll get picked up by something else or maybe be its own ad hoc service? It's it's something it can't just disappear. There's going to be something else that pops up. I mean I'm sure Criterion's going to have their own plans. Right now they don't. I
3: think they're scrambling. I feel like they don't actually know what they're going to do next. I know mm-hmm. they want they probably want to do something because they're a strong brand and they have uh many fans. Like just look at their 50% off sales both on their website and at Barnes & Noble. Those are huge just, for them. Yeah. They're sure. like events for for uh cinema nerds and and people who are just interested in cinema uh at large, but it's a greater issue that that you have these niche services you've got stuff like shutter which is only horror horror suspense you know a little bit broader but like pretty much horror suspense and b movies right you've got filmstruck which is all classics and these niche services that don't necessarily need to make a lot of money to keep running the bigger companies don't see any value in it they don't care you know if it's not going to the broadest possible audience then it's no longer worth their time. They want the Walt Disney streaming service. They want a Netflix that everybody's going to watch and they can't even imagine life without. Imagine life without, without Netflix now. I feel no. like we're deep. We're t- way too deep into Netflix being like a, a, a an expectation. Yeah. It's like when the internet finally became like a utility. Like you can't you can't imagine having a house without internet
2: no and you can't imagine an internet without netflix exactly <laughs> but so, i can't imagine an internet without filmstruck <laughs> You're gonna and so have to. <laughs> it is with a heavy heart that we bid a fond farewell yes to I- filmstruck and turn our eyes to brighter shores yeah it's ted uh, fuck you ted turner yeah <laughs> dick <laughs> yeah
3: uh anyway we're gonna move on to our main event here our main feature uh as we said we've got some of the cast and the director of Rendezvous in Chicago here in studio. We are so, so lucky to have them. Uh, As we said, one of our favorite films produced here in Chicago that we've seen in a long time. Now, Connor and I were so lucky to be invited to a nice little private screening put on by uh, director Michael Glover-Smith over at the Gene Siskel. And I honestly... I I couldn't tear myself
2: away. I was having so much fun watching this. Yeah, movie. we spent. We didn't even want to hang out afterwards. We were as we walked into the theater, we were like, I can't wait to go home and just not see you till next week. Yeah, and then I mean, we did. As, as we walked around, we just walked around. We went to a record stores and we were just gushing. Yeah, we were gushing over as over I was, the movie.
3: As I was looking over, uh, Taken Two and Three on Blu-ray. Yeah, you
2: okay? Well, let's let's okay. let's leave that All right. past.
3: But <laughs> we couldn't I, stop couldn't stop talking about wow. It.
2: And we are also and we are, and. We we are also uh, extremely honored to be joined by three actors who are in three different uh, parts of the film. And uh, Tom, would you drum roll, real quick? Yes, absolutely. So uh, we've got Rashad Hall, hey, uh, Claire Cooney, hi,
3: and Nina Gannett all here from the film. They uh, are representing their individual uh, parts of the film, and then of course. Michael Glover Smith, on the very end. Thank you
4: so much for having me back, guys. I know. I'm thrilled to be here in the new building. Yeah, what do you think? Not bad, It's amazing. The view's incredible, and I'm very glad to be one of the few guests who straddles both eras of yes. no coast cinema yeah
2: yes. absolutely that's very odd i mean it's how like,
4: many guests have been in both locations not uh, a lot i'm trying to
2: think there's spencer and david holcomb yeah that, is that it? spence yeah spence
3: and dave and then uh we had john davies was here recently oh okay yeah. um yeah and then i think you're the only other one yeah um i think Congratulations, the only Mike. <laughs> the only other there's a few people we'd like to cross off the list and bat but you are you're you've straddled the line you've wow. made it you've made it double well. arrows
2: <laughs> so excited put the we'll love. we'll be mailing you the plaque soon it's, <laughs> it's in the mail it probably got lost but it might it might come someday so rendezvous in chicago let's jump into this it is a film that is
3: comprised of three vignettes would that be a good way to put it yes vignettes or chapters vignettes or chapters that follow different relationships and you know it it's it's similar to some other movie it's not uh something that we haven't seen before in terms of the structure but the the relationships contained within this movie uh carry so much life and carry so much authenticity that it was kind of I was floored to just see this being projected on a big screen. I felt like I should be watching it at home on my laptop or something like that. You know, it's a little indie thing, but if you know, I got, I got to see it really big. So talk to me about, writing these three different relationships because each one has a distinct sort of thing about it. it's almost like the dubliners yeah. of, of uh chicago so tell wow. us a little bit about nice. it
4: well you know joyce is one of my favorite writers so <laughs> that's a huge compliment wow. um you know, I wrote them at different times. So the first idea that I had for this film was actually the third story. And I had that idea back in 2014 when we were making Cool Apocalypse. I had the idea to make a movie about a character who would fall in love with the viewer of the film. And I knew it would have to be a short film. Because if a character in a movie starts flirting with the viewer... Um, there's not really a whole lot of places you can take that. I think as soon as the audience gets the idea, you need to kind of bring the curtain down. You know, some ideas um, should be novels, and some ideas should be short stories and, and or short films. And when I conceived that, I knew it should be about 10 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't do anything with it. Um, but I kind of sat on the idea. And then a few years later, I had the idea for a story about a man hitting on a woman in a wine bar and her kind of turning the tables on him by challenging him to a game of strip literary trivia. (laughs) And that just kind of came to me fully formed. And, and then I thought, well, well, One story is about the end of a relationship. One is about the beginning. All I need to do is come up with one more that can be the middle. And then we have a feature film by just stitching these three shorts together. Um, Even though the couples are different, it's going to basically tell the story of the arc of a single relationship. Right. Right.
2: And we saw that with your last film as well, Mercury and Retrograde. But it was more of a through-composed narrative as opposed to the you know the three vignettes. Do you think that there is something about the the vignette style of storytelling that gets you to put a little bit more of a kernel of like I don't I don't know exactly how to word the the phrase, but do you think that? <clears throat> having these characters that are at the end of the day going to be moved on from and you're going to be meeting a new set of characters, is there uh, a certain narrative value in that
4: disposability, would you say? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's a totally different uh, thing. I mean, you know, one thing that I've thought a lot about is that... um when the third story starts, you know, it starts with Nina Gannett, the great Nina Gannett sitting right next to me, <laughs> slapping <laughs> Shane Simmons' face and saying, Motherfucker. That is so good. And it, I it, fucking it love that. shatters the calm yeah. of the previous story which ends with these two guys kissing and you know the camera panning 180 degrees ending on the lake yep. everything is so serene and peaceful and so that kind of abrupt transition is really funny to it me. is <laughs> and, and, and me and
2: tom I think. And, yeah. and
4: you know um if it had been the same couple uh you know it would have been much more painful. And when she's smashing cupcakes into his face, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, But if, if you think about it, if it had been the guys in the previous story, if it had been Rob and Andy, who we just saw getting engaged, it would be tragic. So there's something about the fact that we're dropping in on this new couple, that we're starting a new story that makes it uh, that, that allows it to be funny. So, um, the fact that it's three different stories um was important it was important to me to kind of explore three different subgenres of comedy, if you will. Absolutely. And uh it, you know the fact that it 's different characters allowed me to change the tone of it to change the the, the style of humor and also the the visual style mm-hmm. of each film as well and in
3: keeping with that kind of joycean approach to it, you know because it just it was one of those uh, textual things where I was watching it, and I was like, "Okay, this is really reminding me of X, y Z, which is I love when uh, a movie or a book or anything does that because it shows a great awareness of it of itself um so keeping with that kind of dubliners vibe you got three different stories that each kind of have their own little problems that need to be solved by the end of it yet by when you look at the movie as a whole there's a lot of themes carrying over through it these things work together they are thematically consistent when you went into making this as a feature. on what levels were you trying to think like were you just sticking with this problem this problem this problem or did you want to come from that kind of meta worldview of how are these all flowing together Oh, the latter,
4: without a mm. doubt. I mean, I was trying to to create internal rhymes between all three stories so that it would be a very you know thematically rich experience. So, Tom, I love you because you're such a <laughs> I know, you're a fan of the close read, and I can already tell that you know. Did you watch it more than once?
3: I did. You you we were uh, you sent me the uh, the link to one of the prints and or or however you want to call one of the uh, screeners, and I just kept watching it, and I'm like I'm like. <laughs> I felt like I felt like John Madden on game day i 'm like up against it i 'm like okay, <laughs> so this is this, yeah, but where it, it was like a beautiful mind, you know I was freaking out i was I, I really I really could not get over how much these things stitch together so well while still being self contained You could watch all of these completely separately right. and say it's it's it reminds me of the Decalogue as well oh, where wow. it 's just these self contained things where there 's a beginning, a middle, and an end within it. But it's that arc of the whole relationship, one beginning, one in the middle and one ending that, you know, it's it's been in your other work before, but never more
2: uh, powerful and never more rich. Yeah. And to add on to that, just to to keep on the the gush fest for a little while, I I do love (laughs) the we've already touched on it a little bit, but I I wanted to express how it made me feel like the as Tom said, the three parts of it. Kind of tell the story of a single relationship But I do love the how the Characters that you sort of have to say Goodbye to them at the end of their, their little yeah. vignettes And I love that feeling because You never know where they'll end up you know how Nina's character ended up um, And And that one obviously was not great But uh, and I don't want to spoil It or anything but I do love the feeling Of being like okay maybe everybody else like Ended up okay Because <laughs> cause you never know right well
4: you know Uh, Orson Welles once said, if you want a happy ending, that depends on where you stop your story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Nina Ganna is playing uh, Julie, the same character from Cool Apocalypse. And, you know, her story ends happily there. But, you know, things obviously didn't work out between her and Paul, the other character, because they're not together in Rendezvous. The and,
2: Gloververse. Yes. The Gloververse.
3: <laughs> the Glover. Something to rival oh Marvel. Yeah. Uh, the Gloververse. Wow. When, when yeah. writing these characters, with this idea of continuing, you know, wherever you stop the story, is that a happy ending? Is it not a happy ending? But when you write these characters, do you see them continuing in that same way? Like, even though we stopped the story of uh, part one, chapter one, the uh, the brothers Karamazov, do you see... Do you know where that is? You know, do you know where that story ends up in your mind? Do you feel that there could be continuing?
4: Okay, I have a confession to make. Mm-hmm. Claire Cooney wrote the ending of the brother Karma. <laughs> That's oh. not
2: true. You wrote the ending of the book. <laughs> yes, I am. I Holy know. shit! No. Uh,
0: no, I just said, man. I thought. I thought you know she's gonna at least give him her number. She's so cold hearted, just leave like that. And the, Mike was yeah, like, yeah, the story
4: Ooh. ended without her giving him. Her number yeah. In the oh. original script well, That would have yeah. been brutal
0: Yeah pretty Whoa. brutal It was more just like She she was you know She's living her life She's not gonna Play these games With this guy She's gonna play a game On him And she's just gonna leave You know yeah. uh, Which would be Totally fine It wasn't like I was sympathizing With the white man At all <laughs> <Like exactly laughs> <there>. but, uh, <laughs> but I had a moment Of like Oh you know be kind of cute if she was acting like not into it and then she left her number and then we like left that summer and then he was like you know what I like that idea well
3: because so. it does avoid being subversive for subversion's sake because you know right. when you watch that you can get ahead of the script sometimes yeah. and I, I think that's the greatest uh, sin that a viewer can do is get ahead of the script and I really like that it put you pushed to both through the acting and through the direction and the writing you pushed to this idea that she might just ditch this dude mm-hmm. <laughs> And it would be, it would make sense. It would be logical. It would be a little subversive in its own way. But the number came out, and I was like, "Huh, (laughs) (laughs) this feels. It does feel right. It does feel right with the relationship that was built, even though the guy you were acting, the character you were acting with, was a dick. You know, (laughs) uh, I felt like he." had changed she had get she wouldn't have given him that number unless she had felt that there was a significant change and i felt the turn you know in the middle of that story and i guess let's use this as a jumping off point to get into the three individual stories so claire cooney you are in the first chapter the mm-hmm. brother Car- brothers karamazov um talk to us about being in that scene it tells the story of two People who meet in a wine bar yeah. And uh and i believe The exterior was shot at the red line tap Is that correct, correct? Yes. Yes. all right i'm a rogers <laughs> <laughs> Parker nice so is that the second time oh, you shot There you, you did okay, okay no is, in
4: mercury and Retrograde yeah. we shot the interior Of the red line tap but it right. was standing In for a michigan bar yeah and yes. here We do the opposite we show you the Outside of the red line tap But then when we go inside we're actually in The suburbs really yeah. bar- yeah. <laughs> glovers <laughs> Glovers um uh, Oh <laughs> so
3: these two people meet. Uh, uh, a, s- a certain type of white man yeah. uh, comes Kevin over Lee. and uh, starts yes. chatting up Claire's character. What and is they... his name, by the way? Uh, we want to. His name is Paul. 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 Okay. Uh, Paul. It's, all, it's also the
4: guy from Cool Apocalypse. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Uh,
3: you guys basically strike up a conversation. There's a little bit of push pull. And it results in a game of, like, strip poker of sorts. Strip
0: literary trivia, Strip yes. literary mm. trivia. Yeah. Uh,
3: a favorite at places like Harvard. Yeah. Oxford. Yeah. Oxford. <laughs> Oxford. The greatest across my the God, pond. Mike, you may I'll have just play. started something. Yeah. <laughs> I and hope so. uh, essentially, he has to guess all the names of the brothers Karamazov.
0: I mean, he shouldn't have to guess. He claimed to have read it. But yeah. True. Yes, he has to guess.
3: Mm. So tell us about being in that scene, because it is a... It is a charged scene in a lot of ways, and um, the battle between the two characters is really fun to watch, because you're not giving up anything. Yeah. You are you are really uh, in a strong place while he is just kind of begging for you to acknowledge his his advances. So, uh, how'd you guys get that chemistry?
0: Um, so, I don't think you've ever maybe you have met Kevin Webby who is my actor uh, He is unlike anyone else I've ever met in the entire world he's a he, special
5: person he's a very special person I'm sorry to jump in oh no you you know more than anyone no yeah. that's
0: a good way of putting yeah, it yeah he's unlike anyone I've ever met before he has like <laughs> this weird combination of of like innocence and charm and swagger like he's got some kind of slight ma- like Matthew McConaughey thing but then he has mm. no game behind that like, <laughs> he's <laughs> not trying it's to be It's <laughs> It's and like he, he's not trying to be the funniest person in the but room. He's the but funniest person yeah. in the room. It's
5: embarrassing how much I and giggle he's at everything. Devastatingly he says.
0: attractive and doesn't know it. It's just the whole thing yeah. is just a very interesting combination of things <laughs> in this one person. <laughs> So I had known him as a friend, so we had, like, chemistry in that regard. But it was one of those things where you might get along great with someone, and then on screen there's, like, nothing there. Like, Mm -hmm. for some reason, something's not clicking. So we went to Mike's house and had a a bit of a read-through. Was it the night before? It was the night before. It was the night before before we filmed because he was flying in. Um, And it was great. It was, like, it felt very playful. Um, It felt very um, cat and mouse to some extent. It felt very... um, I think every woman has that feeling of when a guy approaches her in a public place, there's this immediate guard up (laughs) and this immediate wall. And it's just a function of, are you going to be... A complete asshole or kind of an asshole (laughs) and (laughs) And then like if someone really i mean and 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 that's unfortunate to some extent because like that's why we're all unfortunately like doomed to swipe right and swipe left on our phones as opposed to meeting in a bar but the level of guardedness has increased so much uh um but yeah that's kind of how we started the scene was it started really guarded um, she's in the, pow- in the power seat because she's made herself be in that seat because that's the position you have to be in to be confident enough to get a guy away from you if you want him to get away from you. So it's like this false confidence and this false power that w- women have to have in any public place. Uh, and then and then kind of that negotiation of, is he worth talking to? Is he worth playing with? Am I having fun right now? Is he annoying me? Do I like that he's annoying me? You know, that, that whole thing was really fun to play with and Kevin was a perfect partner for that.
3: And you can see it too. Yeah. You can see the moments where you're on you're where you're on the attack and uh you know, Kevin's on the defense and seeing I, it's almost indescribable it's it's one of those things that when good acting is happening you can't even pinpoint it unless you're like unless you have the frame in front of you like okay there it is that's when she did it that's when she
2: let a little bit of the guard mm. down right you like forget that you're even watching a movie you're just wanting to see what's going to happen <laughs> yeah next. it's like you're it's like you're people watching almost yes um when it comes
3: to th- some of the uh tension in the in the scene, uh, especially when the clothes do start coming off. Mm-hmm. Was that was that odd for you? Um, did it feel natural?
0: I think there was like the first moment, Kevin and I were both like, whoop, going in! Yeah. we are like, <laughs> like alright, cool, we're doing it. But then, like, there's hours, we're sitting there with hours without our tops on. Like, we're yeah. just, like, sitting there and it became very natural. And, like, we're doing things in a series, too. Like, Kevin was, like, alright, pants on, pants off, pants on, pants off. Like So, eventually it gets to be lacking any sort of um uh, tension then you're recreating the tension each time but the the first time around it was it was like all right is uh are we all, are we all we're all we're all gonna go yeah. <laughs> we're, we're <doing> this? <laughs> no it was it was perfectly fine uh it was a great uh crew and great room to do it in it was a very female friendly uh cozy crew of people so
3: yeah yeah i did want to mention that um a lot of this was co-produced with women of the now correct, correct yes and um how did, do you feel that it had a great effect because they i mean they are so talented and so skilled uh what was some of their contributions to the set
4: well lane marie williams is the producer of the film mm-hmm. and i had been wanting to work with her for a while and i asked her to just crew up the film mm-hmm. uh so that was very helpful uh, first of all because i believe in gender equality on film that. sets you know in front of and behind the camera but the other thing that made that super helpful was um, those women all know each other really well. So, you know, anybody who's ever made a film will tell you, I mean, these guys right here, the the first day is always the hardest. Yeah. And it's almost a cliche at the end of a, a shoot where you say, oh, don't you wish we could go back and do the first day over? <laughs> because that's when everyone's trying to figure out how to work together. You know, uh, it, it takes a while because every set, you know, some people have worked together before but other people haven't and you know um and if there are a lot of guys on the set there's a sense of you know who, who knows the most right. and you know who's yeah. got the biggest Sounds swinging exhausting. dick in the room <laughs> so um the there's fact right that there. you had all these women here was really helpful because there was a synergy between them from the get-go mm-hmm. and, you know, cl- the Claire-Kevin uh, scene was the first scene that we shot and we did that two nights in a row, mm-hmm. 10 to 12 hours each time and that was the whole scene and obviously, we didn't need, we didn't feel like we had to go back and redo it because it was, you know, exactly what it should have been sure. the first time through. So, when you guys are working together, you mentioned that
2: Claire, you ended up writing the, the
4: end of the... Uh
2: <laughs> well, let writing me, let me, me loose me That's what well, I wanted to yeah. Wow. Let me let
4: me jump in. Yeah. So <laughs> I had been wanting to work with Claire for a while. In fact, I, I have a whole other script that I want her to star in. And we originally wanted to do that first, but the budget would have been much higher. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't able to raise the money to do it this year. People
0: invest in Chicago Homemakers.
4: Yes, and exactly. If major. anyone listening wants to be an executive producer <laughs> for a movie starring Claire Cooney, give me a call.
5: My Venmo is.
4: <laughs> so anyway, um, I wrote Rendezvous as a... As a way to shoot something in the year 2018, it was either, okay, I wait another year to try and do this other project, or I do something that I know we can do for very little money. And, you know, I'm the kind of person who likes to work. Like, I like to do things. I'd rather make the movie I can make rather than the one I'm dying to make. So anyway, so when I wrote the script, I I met Claire at a coffee shop, Mm -hmm. and I had her read it right there in front of me, and I said, you know, let me know what you think, And I try not to take it for granted that people will want to work with me, you know, and I I said, I won't be offended if you don't want to do it. And she read it and she said, this is, uh, she was laughing while she was reading and she said, yeah, I definitely want to do this. I've been in this situation before. I've done this, you know, with guys before. Up until a
0: point. (laughs) Not not the strip
4: literary trivia, but like she understood the whole point of the scene, you know, um, which is that this woman is, is fucking with this guy who." She likes, and that's the key, is she actually likes him, but she's right. trying to get him to be honest about why he approached her. Right. And he's not willing to say, hey, I'm here because I'm really attracted to you, and I'm hoping there's chemistry between us. So that's what she's kind of trying to force out of him. And But she's needling him. You know, She's making him squirm, and like Claire instinctively got it.
0: I enjoy doing that. And I don't <laughs> think you told
4: me at the time. I think you kind of got back to me later and said... I wish she had given him I think, her number. Well,
0: the first thing I said was, is, I think this is the funniest thing you've ever ever written. Yeah. I, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> um, I was cracking up. And I said, "This is a romantic comedy." You yeah. wrote a romantic comedy, and he was like, Oh "I guess so." <laughs> um, and and then I think I think I just said, "Oh, cold-hearted" at the end when she just walks away without the number. I, I don't remember how that transpired, but maybe an over emailed. I just said like, "Ouch" or something like that. Like like she's really a tough cookie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I said I thought she was going to give him her number, but. I said I like it fine not having that have that happen but and I think you got the same feedback from someone else I got
4: the same feedback from Kevin Webby so he lives in Alabama so I you know I emailed him the script I said let me know what you think I'd love for you to do this I think you could have a lot of fun and he gave me the same note independently of Claire so he said oh man I really he goes I loved it I want to do it but I really wish you know he had had, she had given him her number at the end Mm -hmm. and I just you know my philosophy as a as a writer is if you get the same note from two people independently of each other they're always right okay
2: so i I think we've all been in the situation where we want to see we see somebody acting as a wall and we want it to just kind of crush people yeah and then there are other situations (laughs) obviously where you want the and the end to be more like the vignette that you guys worked on i'm curious about the what the script looks like you mentioned philosophy of writing and obviously claire ended up writing the little bit lightening it up at the end What does a script from a Michael Glover Smith film look like? Is there a lot of improvisation? Because I imagine it would be hard to capture that feeling of just sort of, like, that ineffable, like... Gregariousness between you two—that no, this, this a, one
4: was a hundred percent
2: scripted. It was a hundred percent scripted.
0: Well, Kevin, Kevin likes to play. You
4: know, he he he, he has his way of interjecting little Kevin Webbyisms. <laughs> it's,
0: it's just like, and that's why he reminds me of Matthew McConaughey yeah. in some ways. It's like he doesn't say "all right, all right, all right," but he does say like his version of yeah. that. He just like inserts like little odd phrases. In the middle of a, a written thing Like he right. won't not say the lines He'll say the lines verbatim But then he'll just like Somehow insert this thing Where I'm like What did you just say? Like yes.
4: it's just Yeah it's or, you know, and, I, and I knew that Because this is my third time Working with him So you know If I write the word Absolutely I know he's gonna say Absolutely Yeah definitely
0: Or like abso frickin Like no. something just yeah. yeah Something
4: goofy Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so he, he, he'll make it his own A little bit But he won't add any thing that's kind right. of not already there right <laughs>
3: and it's a very and it's an extremely tight script i really um it felt natural very I, I feel like with all the all the actors with all all three um chapters were super naturalistic and speaking of naturalistic i do want to bring in rashad hall because there is something so effortless about the second chapter of this movie
1: that uh you and who's your co-star in that one um his name is matthew sherbock Matthew Sherbach. Yeah, well, he's awesome.
3: There was uh, something very. Link latery about it where it was just like we just got to follow you guys and after the kind of high comic emotion of the first one of the first chapter it was really nice to settle in with you two so talk to me about playing in this relationship where you guys are in a particular moment um, mm-hmm. I'm not to spoil too much but there is uh, a proposal on the us, table yeah. <laughs> there's a proposal on the table and it kind of that's the central tension of what we're seeing but it was really nice to live with you guys for a little bit as you walked around.
1: Uh, so tell us yeah. about working in that relationship. Uh, it was really beautiful. Um, you know, Rogers Park features so prominently in, I think, the, the whole film. But I think in that, in that vignette, it has like a, a huge portion um, and it shines so brightly. So uh, yeah, we were walking around the neighborhood and yeah, my, my, I play a character. His name is Andy. Andy. Mm -hmm. Um, he's dating this guy named Rob um, and together they're just enjoying like a spring day you know they're walking around meeting people in the neighborhood um, but they also have different ideas about um, certain aspects of of life and living uh, and if possibly like if they're going to live together what pet that they might want to (laughs) have right? you know (laughs) Um, nothing too you know crazily like substantial but on on a fundamental level like you got to know like are you gonna have a cat are you gonna have a dog and like if we're gonna live together like what's that gonna be like
3: you know and i love that thinly veiled conversation of um of that you know the cat dog thing the pet thing in general is always that thinly veiled conversation of can we be compatible? Right, right. Mm-hmm. and it's, are we it's right indicative for each other. of other things. Yes, right. Yes, it's, and it's it's that little thing that couples do. Totally, all across any type of relationship,
1: uh, lots of couples do it. Um, like have, do do you see me? Like, do you understand mm. the ways that I think? Mm-hmm. Or like, do you understand my history? Yeah. You know, do you like the same things? And like, if we're disagreeing on this, will we disagree on more? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's, yeah, it's that.
3: Have you ever been in a relationship that far into it? And did you, did you try ever, or have you ever brought, uh, when you were doing this scene, were you bringing your past relationships into it?
1: Oh yeah, you got to, <laughs> you got to just a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, I uh, have to, yeah. I mean, there's tons of experience that I've I've had with, pe- like, relationships that have gone horribly, mm-hmm. you know, um, where it, it wasn't until, like, looking back, like, years later, I was like, wow, how did I get here? Like, mm-hmm. I should have known from that first conversation when, like, you had a, di- like, totally... Opposing viewpoint on This small issue, you know um, Or Yeah, yeah, so just like trying to Find all of the little aspects of My past life and bringing it in mm-hmm. It's so wholesome it's It really
2: just. I was re-watching it in my head for a second It's such a, and, and you, it's I'm glad that you mentioned Rogers Park featuring So predominantly, it feels like it's almost its own Character, because Tom used to live out there Every time we'd yeah. be walking around Just feeling like, oh, this is so
1: so wholesome. It's so beautiful and kind, and I I mean, I love that neighborhood so much. I live in Rogers Park too, so I have like a a huge heart for that area. Mm -hmm. Um, And working with Matthew was. A joy he's so hilarious he's one of the funniest people i know and like our chemistry was just kind of like immediate from jump and uh i've actually worked with him in theater in the past i i come from like a theater world predominantly and so we had worked together in the past and i just remember like cracking up in the green room with him like all the time like just just the way that like we talk is so fun and like effervescent you know um and yeah so we would always just be like bantering back and forth between takes and figuring out what was funny and it totally comes through it It totally comes
3: through um i want to ask about uh representation especially with this this particular chapter deals with a gay couple walking around a neighborhood that is increasingly lgbtqa plus friendly Mm -hmm. which is great um Michael, when it came to writing this, did you ever feel any difficulty about trying to capture uh, a particular type of relationship?
4: Uh, No, it wasn't difficult at all. I mean, I live in Rogers Park, too. And you're right. It's a very diverse neighborhood. The best neighborhood. It is. It's the best neighborhood. I mean, mean, it it is literally the most diverse neighborhood in Chicago in terms of race. I mean sexuality just kidding. and I'm Nina. Just, no, I'm, in. I'm no, absolutely.
5: I'm just being salty. Um, like
4: my and so <laughs> I was just trying to make something that would feel authentic to my neighborhood and to the, mm-hmm. my friends and the people who live in my building. And it was very easy. It was very easy to write those characters. And we
3: are seeing more and more, um, queer stories coming out in film. So much queer cinema is happening right now. Hmm. Yes. And, um, Rashad, I guess. Are, do you do you hope that there? Or I I, I assume that anybody here would hope that there's more of that. But um, did you feel that playing in that particular scene that it f- was authentic and that this is the future of
1: our of our love stories? Totally, totally. It felt so true to life. Um, it, it was written in such a delicate way, mm-hmm. um, but like in, in a way that. Could be a heterosexual relationship too, Mm -hmm. you know. Like it's not actually defined by the fact that it is two men. It's really the the their love Mm -hmm. and like their excitement behind this next big step that they're gonna take in their life lives. And um, yeah, so it to me it felt so natural. And you know, I'm I'm a queer actor, so of course that's gonna be part of what I'm bringing too. Um, But also. It's just like, uh you know, we all have those moments where we're trying to connect with another person. We're trying to really, like, show our full selves. And, um you know, it, it happens so casually that we often miss it, you mm-hmm. know? And it's on those just walking down through the neighborhood days where all of a sudden you realize, like, wow, like... This is the person that I'm going to marry. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or like, wow, we felt that. Like, I would yeah. say
3: we felt that big on it's, that final shot. It's yes. the
2: subtle tension <laughs> building up. I mean, the I, I did want to ask as well because before we started, you mentioned that you guys didn't actually work together on set, right? No. Yeah. So no. the three, three
1: sections, the, sections were all separate, right? Sad. Yeah, yeah.
2: What, so were you aware of the other vignettes that were happening? Yeah, you were. So yes. you'd read the entire script. I did. So what was it like? I mean, not to say that there isn't tension because it is very subtly building towards the proposal. Obviously, what was it? like being aware of the other two uh, vignettes of the film and did that help inform your performance at all just trying to bring
1: it down a little bit and not build it up or it's it's hard to say because I for me, as an artist, I'm a very like visual person, so I kind of have to like see it and like be there. Like for me, like uh, when I'm working on theater, the set is something that like takes it to the next level for me. Sure. Like living in that world. So I, I didn't. I wasn't really thinking about the other two sections. I knew that they were awesome, and I knew <laughs> like like in one some like the first meeting scenario was happening where they're taking off clothes and and the last one there's uh some tension and and it gets like really wild at the end but (laughs) you know in ours we're just walking around but i uh tried to just focus on you know me and my scene partner and and just kind of like vibe out and it was it was awesome i feel like vibe is definitely the yeah. way to
3: describe that i, I think that
4: rashad chapter. you lucked out because i think it's the most romantic scene i've ever directed oh, and well. the kiss at the end i think is is just is the most romantic moment i've ever especially directed.
2: tom and i were just
1: swooning at yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> well i mean michael can you also talk about that section because you've you confided it in it is Partially based on me proposing to my own wife.
4: Oh, <laughs> oh wow. yes. When really? I, yeah. Did when you I, propose on that beach? No, I I proposed in Geneva, Illinois, oh, okay. but yeah. in a, it was in a public park, and we were on right. a bench, and you know, and I accidentally asked her to marry me without pulling out the ring. <laughs> so accidentally. She, she, oh yeah. Oh yeah. She <laughs> actually she actually thought I didn't have a ring on me, so oh, she didn't she didn't know that I was actually asking her to marry me. <laughs> yeah. So oh, I kind of thought i should put this in a film um, did you also
3: bump into a uh, cigar smoking doppelganger i was gonna say
4: what rashad what was it
2: like running into that total jag off yeah. I'm a, I'm
1: yeah.
2: just, we had to get out of there quick <laughs>
4: he's, he's looking kind of hostile
2: yeah
1: let's <laughs> see
4: but uh, yeah I, I do want to say one more thing though about um about this being a queer love story i i do think there's something punk rock about telling a queer love story and treating it as normative. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was something I was very conscious of. Hell yeah. Because <laughs> um, when you think about, you know, queer love stories in mainstream, you know, English language cinema of recent years, uh-huh. they're all tragedies. Right. right? And right. they're all, and and some of these movies are great, <laughs> but the dominant narrative is, you know, a person who cannot be with the person they love, not because that person doesn't also love them, but because society won't allow them to mm. be together. And so, you know, that's the story of Boys Don't Cry. It's Back Mountain. It's, right. Um, call Me By Your Name. Yeah. Call Me By Your Name. It's Moonlight. Moonlight and, yeah. and, and you know what? Moonlight is a masterpiece. Don't right. get me wrong but when i think about my gay friends in chicago you know that's not their story Mm -hmm. um and so i thought with the characters of rob and andy it would be really refreshing if they didn't refer to being gay in the story Mm -hmm. and the only obstacles they're facing are internal it's it's not external you know they're both wondering is this the person for me yeah and i thought that would be you
2: know refreshing and that's that's a story that you have to be able to tell because it I wanted to ask earlier, what do you guys think that people are getting wrong in mainstream cinema, when they're trying to tackle queer storytelling? And obviously, Starcross Love is a story as old as as time itself, and I don't think there's anything wrong with. It. Telling that story telling the tragic story of star-crossed love, but when it's the What you said when it's the majority when it's the dominating narrative It's something there's something harmful about that isn't there when that's what people are seeing and that's how people view queer relationships as This like difficult thing that will never be easy. I think that there's something harmful about that
1: I would agree in a way. It's almost like you're erasing a narrative by only focusing on one type of story one style of story which is all about the pain and the trauma and the heartbrokenness right like where is the other version you know
5: no yeah i agree i think it's refreshing too that like you just said mike that i think it's wonderful that you took the opportunity because yes like you said Moonlight, Masterpiece, all those films that are wonderful and it's great, it's important, but to have the opportunity to actually act on it and not just say, you know, that's important and Mm -hmm. go on, but to actually create that story to how to show the relationships we all know of mm-hmm. all of our friends yeah. you know like, it's rarely the thing we know of all of our friends in queer relationships yeah. which are most of my friends mm-hmm. so it's you know so it's nice like yeah that's yeah it's it's just a relationship
1: right it's, everyone right. else's Validated.
5: relationship they right. do yeah. we have a cat do we have a dog yeah right that's that's what we talk about yeah. so yeah. it's it's
3: it's it is, really really nice it's very nice to have something that is validating <laughs> and self-evident like the their their relationship is self evident, regardless of what it is, what sexuality uh, it's based on, or what sort of. I I I can't even put it into words. You just get to watch it, mm-hmm. and you you just you just get to see it. There's nothing and experience put on it. it. There's a yes, yeah. yeah. Um, let's jump on over to the third chapter, which I think oh, shit. Um, <sighs> Nina, Stop. how long have you been an actor?
5: Oh god. <laughs> no uh I don't know i it's like embarrassing I like, uh, I mean you no, know. it's embarrassing about no it. i uh I didn't musical theater like most people we no, know I did musical theater
0: up until like six years ago
5: <laughs> I mean yeah I did community theater since I was a little bop when I was like <laughs> yeah. six years old and you know started they did all kinds of musical theater theater growing up and then kind of dropped off uh, musical theater. When I went into college, I was like, well, that's not the route I'm choosing. Um, not what I, not my passion. So uh, I went to college. So ever since then, so.
3: Okay. Cause I, the reason I asked that is because by, by your point in the story, when you start talking to the camp, talking to the audience, essentially, ostensibly, um, I, it, it was sincerely one of the most powerful what ten fifteen minutes of of cinema I've gotten oh, to experience. Oh, I, I'm dead serious. You. Oh stop! Because and I, here we go. Get on the train. Sam. I got go. uh, I was good you uh, see you guys. Um, see you later. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye bye. But for seri- me. seriously, um, I think it was an incredible feat of of acting to make. I felt like you were just talking directly to me, and it was so it was such a weird experience because i I really had not seen many movies that did it that way. The amount of uh, humanity, the amount of genuine affection that you were pouring out. At the at the audience I just couldn't believe it I Thank walked you. I walked out of that sa- section at the You know everything had rolled and I was Just like wow I think I just witnessed the Best film moment of oh, yeah. 2018 he, he did say that to me it He really did say weird. that to me, really that to me. Because, So what, what is oh, it like act, You know you're talking to someone Who is not there and What's it like to What's it like to love
5: someone you can't see <sighs> Thank you By the way I'm you, <laughs> You're I mean the it's... sweetest soul on the planet <laughs> um, no thank you um in in most sincerity i and I'm not even trying to blow smoke up anyone's sleeve i it's so much um so much my i'm I feel like I was even able to do it because of you Mike and the crew that was on set because I first read the script and you know Obviously, Mike was like, "You want to do?" It? It's like, well, I, I haven't even read it. I'm like, I'm down. It's, I just <laughs> let's just do something together again. We have, you know, it's so much fun. But um, read the script. And I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be honest. I it scared me for sure. I've done theater my whole life, but um, and all kinds of things. But I've never ever approach something like this before so that was my fear what how do i like all of my training is about the other partner and i don't have a partner you know so that uh was very very scary and mike and i talked about it you know and i definitely voiced my concerns and just of the technicalities of it and where my mind sets should be um as a character um because exactly like who am i talking to what should the mindset be um and mike was so helpful about that just clarifying certain things but not making it one specific thing making it um malleable um which it's it's almost almost too hard to explain just throughout the whole process of the scene um and i think i'm very i am so grateful at uh, alex who was our uh who was behind the camera, I feel very lucky that I'd worked with him before. So I felt very comfortable with him. Uh, We have a really good relationship. He's a dear friend. So I felt very lucky to have him behind the camera and not feeling, um, you know, I didn't feel as self-conscious about talking directly to the camera because I felt like a very safe um, um, support behind the camera directly uh, because we we're moving a lot you know it's in the camera and moving things around it was nice not feeling um just knowing that support was right behind the camera as well as like you said with all the women in the room it was just a really safe room um and i genuinely don't think i would have been able to do it that day um if i the room wasn't that way because it was a lot, a lot of lines, a lot of things going through my mind. Um, it was just a lot. I've just never done anything like that. So yeah. it's a truly, I mean, so all my gratitude is for that room because every single, every single human being in that room made me feel like I could just. Not think about myself and just Say the be words. there and yeah. try to be there as much as I could. I haven't even seen it all yet, so I'm like, I, I, hope, <laughs> I hope. You haven't
2: seen it yet. I no. haven't seen the full book oh yet. God. So I mean,
5: I, I So it's just, it's, it's really. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for saying that. You know, you just hope you do it and just. Hope that um, Mm -hmm. It wasn't like Am I panicking I don't know
0: Forgive me if I'm wrong Mike But a lot of people Told you to change that A lot of people told him To change the last scene Because they felt it was Off in some way Or it wasn't going to Read the right way No And the only thing That I could think of When people would say that Is like well, but they don't know who's playing it because yeah. Nina has Stop. this... <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not even I'm not going to say that you're there good, okay? Calm down. You just did. Because um, right, you're not funny. No, 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 it's because Nina has this inherent earnestness and sweetness that would combat any kind of... Um, I think the implication was that it might read like almost like a sex worker talking to a camera kind of thing mm-hmm. and I was like well you don't know who is playing this like a person who can make you feel like you're in a room with just them alone and just this authentic earnest presence is playing this so it's not gonna have the vibe Circle. people are worried about mm-hmm. you
4: know but really
5: that that was a, yeah. that was an issue well, like i 13, I so.
4: mean I wrote it for her I wrote it for her <laughs> so was. I knew what uh, it was gonna you know I knew what she was gonna sound like yeah. uh, it's very different than when we made cool apocalypse where I just wrote it not knowing who was going to play the part and then you're you're seeing and hearing auditions and you're thinking, "Oh, is this is this going to be the right way to go about it?" Mm-hmm. And the same thing with Claire. You know, I wrote Delaney for her, mm-hmm. so I knew what Claire was going to sound like and that was one of the things that Uh, Allowed us to shoot this film as quickly As we did I mean we shot the whole thing in Eight days that's
3: incredible Yeah that's incredible
4: And I couldn't have done it if I wasn't working With actors I had worked with before Right without a doubt I don't
5: think I could have done That scene I mean I can't Imagine anyone else writing something Like that and me doing it for the first time Without because I mean you know me the way I talk and my demeanor and whatnot And I mean it's such A blessing to me as an actor to have Someone write A scene like that, knowing me. Um, so that it felt so effortless with the language which is I'm so so grateful for yeah
4: and we, we com- Nina and I communicate well together right. I mean I think um, I remember you did ask me early on wait so when I'm when I'm looking at the camera and talking am I, is there a person there like is and,
5: there actually and I yeah. said
4: and I said Nina you know I'm not going to answer that <laughs>
5: <laughs> I'm like I'm an actor <laughs> I but then, <laughs> then
4: later you came up you sort of came up with a solution for yourself yeah. which was beautiful i mean this is how good of an actress she is she said that basically the way she interpreted it was that uh she was kind of talking to herself that that when she has this violent you know breakup with her boyfriend um that you know it it causes her to kind of step outside of herself and then she's actually kind of viewing herself from a distance and then that's who she talks to and when she told me that um i think it was the day we rehearsed i kind of said you know that wasn't what I had in mind when I read it, but I said, Hey, if that's the way you want to, I said, Hey, I I think that's beautiful, you know? And so that's how she interpreted it. And I think that's great.
5: Yeah. I mean, I think that it too thinking about, um, I think not also just thinking about not just, yes,
1: (laughs) my mind, my mind,
5: (laughs) you know what? Yes, no, maybe one, two, three. Um, no, I think that, um, with thinking, i'm talking to myself but you know trying to tap into we've all had a crazy breakup or something really bad happen and you're suddenly doing the thing where you're like well no one does that (laughs) and then suddenly you're in your apartment doing that and um you know just taking that judgment off of yourself of like well who's she talking to she wouldn't just be doing that but after you find I'm not going to give things away, but after something tragic happens or really surprising Mm -hmm. and flips your world upside down, to say that will never happen is nuts, you know, so I think just taking that off the table and, um, and something can happen. Yeah. I mean, I've, we've all had things happen to us that we never expected and I've had some crazy stuff. Mike was actually met me when I was going through some crazy stuff years ago and, um, it puts you in those places, and I think that it was a blessing for Mike to let me just go there and me to get out of my head about it, that you, people, you never, you're never, you never going to know what you're going to do if you're by yourself and suddenly you're living alone. And I've mm-hmm. lived alone, and suddenly you're talking to yourself and making a Manhattan by yourself <laughs> and, like, smoking a bowl, and you're like, suddenly you're like, it's been 18 hours. You're like, what am I doing? But um, So I, I think it was just nice um To hopefully have an outlet for people to be like, yeah, when things happen you know can kind of tap into that which is which is nice
2: can we talk a little bit about what it was like filming that because i've seen interviews with actors and everything they say those kinds of days where it seemed like a kind of emotionally taxing performance you bring a like a frenzied vulnerability to it the whole time and as michael mentioned earlier that hard cut from the proposal with rashad into you motherfucker yeah. <laughs> and getting hit in the it's funny but only in the context of switching vignettes so was it what was it like filming that how did how did you feel while you were doing it Because I mean you filmed it in eight days I imagine 10 to 12 days each Day right something like that
4: Well, well
5: Nina's or seen, 10 to 12 hours Nina scene a day, was all yeah.
4: one day and that was A 12 hour day I shot gosh. the whole Thing in 12 hours it was, a fun, day, it was, was a fun day It was a really fun what, day
2: what was It like how did you feel while you were doing it? Because I don't even I can't even
4: begin to understand how you would approach I starting think now that. would be a good time to give a shout out to Shane Simmons, yes. who hey is yo. her uh acting partner yes. in the beginning of the scene. Yes. and uh you know, and I had worked with Shane before, of course, he's coming back as the character from uh, Mercury in retrograde, right, Wyatt. Right. So um Shane and Nina have known each other for a long time and I knew the chemistry between them was going to be good just like I knew the chemistry between Claire and I knew what that was going to be like between Claire and Kevin Mm -hmm. so I knew that Nina was going to bring it and was going to really let him have it (laughs) and I knew that the fact that they knew each other was going to make her comfortable enough to really not hold anything back Mm -hmm. the way that she might if she was on set with somebody she didn't know Mm
5: -hmm. yeah um I will say uh I'm in a very, I'm a very emotional person. Okay. I, uh, What's your moon sign? Uh, moon, like Taurus. Are like, you? Uh, I'm
0: Pisces. I thought you meant to be Pisces. Oh, yes.
5: No, okay. Pisces are emotional, but I'm a very emotional person. So, um, but any character work that you do, you know, going through everything ahead of time, and um, to be honest, it was a really fun day. I was definitely very anxious for that reason. That it's a lot of, it's a roller coaster of emotions. She taps into a lot. Um, especially knowing we're going to do it in one day. I was a little apprehensive of can I do it um, the way I want it to, the way I want to. Um, so, yeah, I was definitely nervous, but truly, I mean, getting there, because we did, what, Shane first in the beginning of the day, Yes, right? yeah. We did Shane first? Um, no. No. No, we, we did the end first. No, we didn't. Yeah, yes, we did yeah,
4: Shane yeah. after
2: lunch. That's right. Yes. That seems to be how you made this whole movie, back, yep. back to front. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> we also
5: did the lines backwards, and then you just flipped them in an wow. end. Wow. No, I
2: just, wondered how you did that. <laughs> like <some> Tom York.
5: <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think in the morning, it. that's right. Yeah, because it was nice having, you know, in the morning, just all of us there, just me. So, that was very simple, you know, very easy. It was a good. Calm group in the morning all there For me um Just so much support in the room I think I truly I really Can't say that enough that's The only way I could have done it so I I think that was let me be just As me as possible um As much as I could have been um, So that was really helpful And then uh, once I was able to get All of that done with Mike And working with Mike is wonderful Because even when I'm anxious about lines Or a moment or something uh, It was really helpful to have him take a second And either talk through things Or just be there for me with a look of Feeling my despair or frustration or mm-hmm. anything, um, which was really nice. And then when Shane got there, which yes, we're dear friends, uh, was kind of nice to you know have another pal. A different on energy,
0: different <laughs> energy for sure. Uh,
5: but you know, after all day of being uh, alone uh, with the camera, it was so fun. Uh, I was just so pumped to like have all my energy thrown at someone. And uh, poor Shane, I think I don't know which shot you got of me. The the cake. Uh, in his face, I think I. I, I it's
4: very explosive. He gasped, yeah. <laughs> awesome. he
5: gasped. for air in one of the tapes. <laughs> and I was so scared I choked. Him. <laughs> um, but he man, was, I wish I could have been
0: a fly on that wall. <laughs> yeah, it was really
5: funny, but uh, it just felt it just felt fun. It just felt so much fun. We just had a blast with it, and just immediately burst into laughter after a lot of them, <laughs> or just me panicked that I. Accidentally killed, him. but, yes, but you know, ruined. but she
4: plays it so sincerely. I mean, she seems genuinely very, very, very upset, oh, yes. and that's what makes it so funny. You know, um, we've all and,
5: been there. And yeah. I, you know, uh,
4: Mercury. Yeah, I want to do that. I was conscious of trying to you know do something that would be a lot lighter and funnier than Mercury in retrograde, because I think you know I'm like a lot of artists. You do one thing, and then you kind of want to do the opposite. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. when you uh, the next time around, mm-hmm. and but I, I was you know. Uh, obviously examining a lot of the same themes a lot of the same subjects and um for me that fight at the beginning of the third part was really a conscious um effort to try and sort of mirror the ugliness of the fight at the end of mercury but i i thought because you know that scene between um roxy and mosquita and kevin webby at the end of mercury Mm -hmm. it is so ugly that i actually have a hard time watching it yeah uh but I thought, can I match that in intensity? Can I have these actors show these ferocious emotions and have it get physical but make it funny? Yeah. And I think it I think that I it, think is. it works. You know, I think, I think it, it's a it's absurd. Um like Nina's saying, you know, you do things that you would never think you were capable of, <laughs> but when you're pushed to a certain point, um, you act in ways that, that are illogical. I mean, mm-hmm. smashing a cupcake into somebody's face is it's not funny when you're doing it, but if you step back and you have a little distance, you know, you yeah, think back on yeah. it. Right, right. You're like, right. wow. I can't I I, did that. Yeah, that was ridiculous. <laughs> I almost drowned somebody with a cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or another way one of my favorite quotes about comedy is uh, Mel Brooks once said. Um, tragedy is uh or comedy is when you fall down a manhole tragedy is when i get a paper cut
0: <laughs> yes. Such a great quote. and that's kind oh of an God. illustration of that yeah so it's good. like
4: if that was happening to you so the viewer good. you would be that's horrified hilarious. but when you're watching when you're watching it on the screen you can laugh at how absurd it is
5: right also i'm like i'm so sorry am i just going well yeah. we please, do we only go. we've like, only
3: got, just got a little bit oh. of time left here uh so i just want to ask one last question about this third vignette um one of the things that struck me was that it in of itself talks a little bit about voyeurism in a mm-hmm. sense or at least i felt a little bit voyeuristic as i often do when watching movies especially movies that have to deal with relationships cuz mm-hmm. you're just kind of like watching relationships fall apart come together what have you but i love the way that the scene flips that it suddenly makes the film the voyeur in a sense oh, yeah, um uh, nina wow. is um in a sense watching you mm-hmm. and you know falling for for you the audience member and you get to like i i don't think i'll ever get a, a chance other than this to dance with nina and i got to, i got to do that watching
1: this movie.
2: <laughs> well tom I was come like, on never now, never we can, dance she, we can tom,
4: tom that is why i wrote it i am not joking so Years ago, I was thinking to myself, you know, every time I watch a movie, I feel like I'm falling in love with a character in a film. And at some point, I just wondered, why? Why do they never fall in love with me? <laughs> like, why? Why is this so one sided? So yeah. That's And you feel, awesome. and you feel weird geez. afterward.
3: You, I felt, I felt, yeah. I felt so strange. I'm just like uncomfortable. I it's a
4: little uncomfortable.
3: It, it it goes past that little uncanny valley where yeah. it's like, oh shit. Like, am I in a relationship with someone that will literally never know if I exist? Like, a character that technically Mm. doesn't actually exist, but you feel that you have watched her and been like, oh, wow, she's amazing. You get to, like, you know this person, and then it gets reciprocated. (laughs) That really (laughs) fucked with my head. I was like, I didn't know we could do this. And uh, I, you know, as I said, a film moment of 2018, and it's it's one of those few examples of what people would call pure cinema, the pure convergence of light sound and acting that only cinema can achieve. And it was really what a way to end it with. And I don't mean to put this above or below, uh, any of the other chapters because rendezvous in Chicago as a whole just works so well. And it's, it's a delight to watch the first time. It's a delight to watch the fifth time. Um, So to everybody here... Congratulations on a fantastic, fantastic product um, in each its individual. Like, give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs>
5: no, <don't laughs> give
3: yourselves a round of applause. I really, we love Rendezvous in
4: Chicago. Um, I know it just won an award at a, a film festival recently. Yeah, we won second place in the Audience Choice Awards at the Adirondack Film Festival yes. in Upstate New York. So that was really gratifying because that was the world premiere, and it's always a little nerve wracking when you go out of town with a movie. Right, you're, you're, you know, are the, people
3: Going to get this? Yeah, are right, they get, right.
4: because uh, I didn't know anybody there, and, it's, you know? and it
3: is a very Chicago movie, and um, you know it's one of those movies that's going to hit if you're from the city. It's got that the. the there's something about it Yeah, like, there there's something is. about it. I'm like yeah dude This is These this are the Chicago people <laughs> This is how relationships Work in Chicago And you don't yeah. know If it's gonna Translate to other people But I think A well deserved award Obviously I do not know uh, What it was up against So yeah, well,
0: let's find the person That got first And kick their ass Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> Get them to squall <disqualified>. That's what <laughs> that's that's it's all right, about I'm sure No, no, there, no, no. Were, there, there, are, there were a lot of about. other Really
4: good films <laughs> there So it was a huge Competitor honor part. But
3: are there any What are the plans
4: For future film festivals Future screening what are we looking at? Okay, so we have two screenings in November. Uh, November 11th, we're at the Strasburg Film Festival in Strasburg, Virginia, which I'm very excited. I'll be going there to do a Q&A. Um, and then on November 29th, the Illinois premiere will be at my own film festival, the Oakton Pop-Up Film Festival in Des mm-hmm. And that'll be great. I think all of these people are going to be here. Yep. I don't know if Nina can get off work. She, she will be it. there. But <laughs> Claire and Rashad will be. Yes. And um, the great critic Kathleen Sachs is going to be moderating that Q A. So Wonderful. we're really excited. Um, and then as far as the Chicago premiere proper, I cannot name the venue, but let's it's just say a, a theater of great renown Whoa. is going to screen it four times Woo! in the early part of 2019 we're yeah. gonna screen it four times at my house great <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> all right uh thank you so much to all of you it was it thank was you truly so it's, thank you know you. i mean this is why we do it this is why we do the show uh rashad hall claire cooney nina gannett and of course michael glover thank smith you so much. Thank we'll you. see you all soon at the movies okay
5: thank you guys. thank you thanks guys
3: This is right. awesome this has been no coast cinema here on wgm plus where your guide to cinema here in the city of chicago i am tom hush and i'm connor cornelius and we'll see you all next time